If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 521. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook. Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You've already heard about that. Purchase one of the classes there. You help keep the show free of charge. Or purchase 12 classes there. You help keep the show free of charge. So it's a great opportunity to get to keep this podcast going, right? This is free, but you also get great content as well. Also, you can go to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. Click on that support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can purchase a book plate, get my autograph on one of my books. I've got a bunch of those. My latest is The Jeffersonian Tradition, also Southern Scribblings. Great stuff. And you can, uh, uh, while you're there, make a donation if you want to the to the show. So that's also a way to support the show. You can also click on the shop tab, get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. Go to learntruehistory.com. That's T-R-U-E, learntruehistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. Another great website. Lots of great ways to support the show financially, but as always, share it around on social media, rate it where you get your podcasts, let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally, send me those show suggestions. All of that is how I keep this show interesting to you. Now, one thing I've done this week, and we're wrapping up the week with a Wall Street Journal uh, opinion piece, and it's something that I talked about with Monuments yesterday in this idea of evil. So if you listen to the left today, and conservatives tend to do this as well, everything is evil. The Founding Fathers were evil if you're the 1619 Project. John C. Calhoun is evil. We talked about that, of course, Monday with Calhoun. These people are evil. Anyone in the United States that ever at any time was involved in anything that the left doesn't like is evil. That's problematic that term, that term is also evil, but as the, as the uh, modernist says, this is problematic. Uh, so the, the issue here, of course, is that we've lost the definition of evil. What does this even mean? So is George Washington evil because the man was a slave owner? How about Thomas Jefferson? How about, uh, I mean, you go take your pick of many members of the founding, even John Adams uh, wasn't really that much of an anti-slavery zealot. I mean, he wasn't didn't really favor the institution that much, but he didn't have horrible things to say about it. So are we going to start saying the only people in American history who aren't quote-unquote evil are the anti-slavery, or at, well, actually, not even anti-slavery, the abolitionists, the hardcore abolitionists, are they the only people in American history who aren't evil, or all the reformers, because you see, this is essentially what we're doing. We're setting up a situation where the only people in American history we can like would be William Lloyd Garrison, Frederick Douglass, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, or anyone from the civil rights movement 
that didn't have some type of uh, moral failing. But even then, the left will overlook those because their views on race outweigh everything else they did. And of course, I'm referring to Martin Luther King, who did some pretty horrible stuff. But he wasn't evil because he had the right views on race and the right views on civil rights. So the only people in America that we can say aren't evil are people that had the right, right, correct views on essentially race and slavery. That's it. This is where the left wants to frame the debate. They want to make it that. That is uh, a real stain on American history because what we're doing with that is distorting the entire historical record. Robert E. Lee would be evil because he was at one time a de facto slave owner. And of course, even when he was younger, there's, there's some evidence that he was a de jure slave owner. But, but in his, we're talking about the 1850s into the 1860s when he was a de facto slave owner through his wife's estate. Right, So trying to, to do that. And of course, he fought for the Confederacy. So that would make him evil, even though the man was a much more devout Christian than Abraham Lincoln ever wanted to be ever thought about being. So Robert E. Lee, a true Christian gentleman, is evil. You see? This is where we're going with this. Stonewall Jackson. You can't say there was any more devout Christian in the Confederate military than Stonewall Jackson. He's evil. He's evil. Southern theologians who professed pro-slavery ideas are evil. Northern theologians who professed pro-slavery ideas are evil. Do you see where we're going with this? Christianity then by default in the 19th century, except for the Reformed version of Christianity, would then be evil. This is the trouble with all of this stuff. They have completely lost any type of anchor for the meaning of evil. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Words in America don't mean anything. Treason, which is easily defined in the U.S. Constitution, this is anyone that opposes the United States government is, tre is treason. We throw this around now. Hey, this person did this is treason. Robert E. Lee, treason. Of course, that's what Alan Gelso says. The very first sentence, apparently, I haven't read his new book on Lee, but Robert E. Lee committed treason. How stupid can you be? And Gelso is supposed to be a smart guy who doesn't really understand American history very well in that way. I mean, it's funny when you hear him talk about treason and secession. Well, I can give you, I would tell you about secession, and you will be completely wrong, you prole, if you tend to question me on the issue. And, of course, in a debate with uh, Don Livingston at University of Virginia, he was completely thrashed on this very issue, but he whined that the audience was in favor of, you know, sympathetic toward uh, Dr. Livingston from the beginning, which isn't true. But this is, uh, this is what he said. And he sulked and he brooded. He lost. He can't win the debate. So the fact is, we've got a situation in America where words have no meaning anymore. Words have no meaning. And we've lost all tolerance for difference of opinion. And I'm going to talk about that next week. And I've talked about it before. In fact, one of the earliest episodes of the Brian McClanahan show, I think it's episode 12, 
I get into this issue, why Americans are so angry. I did that in 2016. And here we are, 2021, five years later, we're still in the same situation. There's a reason for this, and I'll talk about it next week. Again, because we need to constantly hammer this home, there's a reason for that. But we've lost this definition of evil. So I want to read this little piece. It's pretty good. Uh, again, it's, it's short. It's by Lance Morrow. Very short. Wall Street Journal opinion. This was published on September 26th. He says, 15 or 20 years ago, when I was preparing to write a book on the subject of evil, I asked a variety of people whether they had ever known someone whom they considered to be evil. The overwhelming majority shared, I'm sorry, stared into space for a moment and then said, no, no one I would call truly evil. There was Hitler, of course, but I didn't know him. An exception to the pattern was William Buckley Jr., who without hesitation replied, Gore Vidal. I laughed, but Mr. Buckley didn't. I think he was serious. He stared at me with hard, enameled eyes. Now, this is a funny part with Buckley. He really despised Gore Vidal. Really despised Gore Vidal. And Buckley would very... I mean, look, Buckley had a very interesting show. He... Uh, he would have interviews, and this is back, of course, in the 60s and, and 70s. He, he would do a good job with this, but there were a few people that could really get under his skin. One of them was George Wallace, and if you ever go back and watch the interview with Buckley and George Wallace, Wallace completely destroys him, and Buckley can't stand it. I'm surprised he didn't say George Wallace. <laughs> surprised he didn't say that. But he said Gorvidal. And why Gorvidal? Because Gorvidal did the exact same thing. Gorvidal got under his skin. And I remember having a conversation with, with Clyde Wilson about this at one point. And he said, of course, he, he met Buckley. And he cheered. He said when he was younger, he cheered the Buckley interview with Gorvidal. He couldn't understand. He, he cheered William Buckley with Gorvidal. And then as he got older, he started to realize that Gorbachev was actually doing a better job and was more honest and realistic than William Buckley, which is interesting. So Gorbachev and uh, was evil to William Buckley. But Morrow continues. He said, "In those days, the word evil still carried the weight of its old significance. Evil remained a great mystery, like at the opposite end of human experience, love." Evil inspired respect and humility, fear and awe. There is, after all, no appeal from evil. It is uncompromising, unforgivable. That's a nice definition of evil. It used to be something of a mystery. It was the opposite of love. And so if that's the definition, would anybody, would Calhoun be considered evil? Was he an evil man? What about Washington, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, John Marshall? I mean, you can go down the line of all these individuals. How about Sam Adams, John Hancock? These men own slaves. How about Benjamin Franklin, who dabbled in the slave trade at one point? He owned slaves. Was Ben Franklin evil? Well, if you listen to the modern left, they would be. They would be evil men. There was there's no redeemable fact about them because they engaged in slavery, either owned slaves or the trade or whatever the case may be. These people were evil. There's no redeeming. And they were, and, and they were racists. According to I mean, the modern conception, they were racists, right? So if that's the case, these people are evil, unredeemable. 
This is how juvenile the left has become. They're focused on one thing. They're the ones that wake up every day thinking about this. And they say it. I mean, they're openly saying it now. This is the entire basis for their worldview. It's race. They view the world through the lens of race. Now, for the neocons that say that's kind of like, or the Straussians, it's kind of like the old Democrats. They viewed the world through the lens of race. So did the Republicans. Everyone did in the 19th century, I guess. I mean, maybe this is something that's, that is American. We view the world through the lens of race because we have an issue of race and, and how to deal with citizenship based on race. And so that's been a long-standing issue in the United States. It has been. I mean, there's no denying that. The 1619 Project is actually correct on that. We, we've struggled with that particular issue for a long time. But the idea of the civil rights movement was supposed to be to get rid of that, right? Well, we know that's not going to happen. We know that that was never really the goal of it. It just became something else. It morphed into something else. It's all about power in reality. Who has power and who doesn't have power? Who controls the reins of government and who doesn't? I mean, these are the things that all of these issues really boil down to. But Morrow continues, he says, Hitler, the real thing was proof that evil existed. Auschwitz set the 20th century standard. Charles Manson, a nasty curio of the 1960s, became the tabloid version. He and other high-concept nightmares of the, of the time carried the idea of evil across the straits, separating religion and popular culture. The 1960s young, via, for example, the Rolling Stones, tended to glamorize evil, even to propose it as a precondition to freedom. Joan Dyden's essays unforgettably conjured the atmosphere. Her writing in those years seemed to open doors, one after another, in the corridors of Bluebeard's castle. But like youth, the novelty passed. The country settled into a routine of mass shootings, evil, of course, but soon enough demystified as a string of psychotic episodes. By the time I asked people if they had known someone who was evil, Manson was wasting away in a California prison, still dreaming about an apocalyptic race war, I suppose, with the razored swastika fading on his forehead. Now, it's interesting about Manson, of course. He was, he was a leftist. I mean, Manson was a leftist. And yet, that's not ever described. Manson is never described as a leftist, but that's what he was. He's just an evil guy. Hitler, this is where you get in this debate, is, the Nazi, is Nazism left-wing? Is it right-wing? What, what is it? He certainly shares a lot in common with the left. So Merrill continues, here we are. The word evil has suffered from severe grade inflation in the 21st century. Just as every college student must now get an A, so in the hysteria of social media, the most ordinary pipsqueak may now be flattered with the grand honorific. Evil, once an august item in the range of human possibilities, has been reduced to a cliché of political abuse. And this is true. This is exactly what we've done in modern American politics. Anyone we don't agree with, and any historical figure we don't agree with, becomes evil. Now, I will tell you, detaching people from their traditions, from their people, that was almost always considered to be a form of evil. And this is what, I mean, when you say to someone, your ancestors were horrible, they're awful people, Awful people, you are your blood essentially is corrupt. That is an evil action. And this is what the left is doing in America. 
They are doing that. They're not taking into account people. I mean, we had no control. Anyone, any, nobody has any control over the actions of their ancestors. And you can still love your ancestors even if you don't agree with what they did or you don't agree with their views on things. Even two gen- I mean, a generation removed, your grandparents. You may not agree with your grandparents on everything they did or everything they said, but you still love them, right? And the same thing can be for your great-grandparents, your great-great-grandparents. You never met them, probably, but you still, your great-great-grandparents, but you still love them. And they're still part of you. Their blood is in your veins. But then he continues in a way that's interesting. Recently, I reviewed my question. I'm sorry, revived, excuse me, revived my question. I started by asking progressives whether they knew, ever knew someone who was evil. Their number one answer, surprise, was Donald Trump. Do they really mean it? Are they being metaphorical? Hyperbolical? If Mr. Trump is evil, what would be the word for Pol Pot? Now, I will say this. They probably don't even know who Pol Pot is. Pol Pot's a leftist. He's one of them, right? So they don't even know who Pol Pot is. Pol Pot was evil. A genocidal maniac. That is evil. That's the other thing. No one in the founding generation believed in genocide. In fact, you can't even claim there was a genocide in the founding generation. The fact that the left runs around saying that there was a genocide in America... Uh, now, take, take the, the American Indian tribes. We'll separate that out. What I'm talking about, because that was... There was a genocide. But that was generally done uh, after the war. You did have the initial phase of European settlement here where there were some, uh, certainly some horrible things going on. But as Americans settled in, they did push Indian tribes in further and further west. They did that. They moved tribes to the Oklahoma Territory. There was certainly some death along the way. That was uh, an episode, a horrible episode. Was it? Outright genocide, though, was the question. And there was never, I mean, I, there was never a goal, I think, from the top down to exterminate anyone on purpose. Now, we know that other people certainly wanted to do it. There's, there's no question about that. But then when you look at slavery, there was no genocide when it came to American slavery, none at all. And I think that's where uh, you, you start, you can't, you can't put the two together. Calhoun and Hitler are in completely different opposite ends of the spectrum, for example. But Pol Pot did believe in genocide. Hitler did believe in genocide. So, I mean, this is, this is what we need to start thinking about. How about Pinochet, right? Pinochet did believe in political genocide. How about Stalin? There's another evil guy. Interesting thing, most of these people are on the left. I mean, or they have leftist views. It's top-down one-size-fits-all government, centralized power. And you could say the right, some people on the right believe that too. Certainly they do. And Pinochet would always be considered uh, someone who is more on the right than on the left. Same thing with Perón. But Perón in Argentina um, was also flirted. I mean, the, there a lot of things, a lot of these ideas would be considered leftist too. So that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast topic. Then he continues, Where, when they are through with Mr. Trump, progressives mention such lesser evils as Derek Chauvin and Dylan Roof. Then their eyes dart back and forth and less likely names fetch up. People they know from their screens, Josh Hawley, Tucker Carlson. In the end, there is no distinction in their minds between the mass murderer 
in the church in Charleston and someone with whose opinions they disagree. Right, so a mass murderer, would John Brown be evil? No, he's not evil. What about Nat Turner? I talked about this. Would Nat Turner be evil? No, he's actually glorified on a monument. He's not evil. It didn't matter that he was slaughtering women and children, again, in their cribs. That's not evil because he's doing it for the right reasons. That's not evil. John Brown, it's not evil. It's not evil to go and slaughter slave owners. That's a righteous thing to do. You see, they have decided that certain things, even though they are evil, homicide is evil. We know this. If you're a Christian, murder is evil, right? It's evil. So that's no longer evil if it's done for the right reason. Now, in a time of war, I mean, this is where Christian theologians would try to understand this. When is it killing acceptable? And if you go back and you look at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, for example, whose only situation where murder was acceptable was in self-defense. The only time you had a just war is if you're attacked. Well, who was doing the attacking in 1861? You, oh, oh, McClanahan right there. It was the South. They attacked. How many people were killed in the attack at Fort Sumter? in the initial bombardment, zero. Zero. In fact, they were warned. It's not an evil act. It's saying, look, we're going to bombard the fort and we're going to take it. you got all the time in the world to get out. Get out. Move. The only person that was killed was after the fact. An accident. But no one was killed. In fact, they invited him back on to Charles. Hey, come on back in. You all go back north. We're good. That wasn't an evil act. And so there, then Lincoln sends in troops, and now the South's attacked, and so they're defending themselves. They are defending themselves. Same thing with Pickens. I mean, Lincoln also invaded Pickens, right? So the South was defending itself. Who is committing the act of aggression? Simply by trying to provision the fort, Lincoln was committing the act of aggression. Okay, but just war is when you're attacked. And Murray Rothbard, the libertarian, who was by no means sympathetic with slave owners, in fact, he calls them the slavers, he, he is a no, by no means sympathetic with Southerners, believed that the American War for Independence and the Southern side in that war in 1861 were the only evidence, the only times where you could say there was a just war. Now, that also, uh, War of 1812, I think you could make a case for that too. But regardless, we have a situation where we've got this idea that if you go slaughter people, you're, you're not evil if you're doing it for the right reasons, which is, I mean, that's, that's a distortion. That's terrible. Mr. Trump himself tosses around the word evil in a mindless way. He uses it almost as often as he does the word incredible. It's one of his six adjectives. Progressives and Trumpists accuse one another, batting the word evil back and forth like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, disputing whether it's duck season or wabbit season. And this is true, too, and I said this about the right. They do it, too. The other day, Tony Norman, a Pittsburgh Post-Gazette columnist, got warmed up by referring to Mr. Trump as the twice-impeached abomination of desolation. In his next reference, the former U.S. president was Satan, a bit of a letdown. And after that, the Antichrist. He left out Prince of Darkness. Gasping down the home stretch, he described Mr. Trump's base as a death cult. Subscribers to his end times for a fever dream. 
I mean, this is now. Now I'll say this: in the 1850s, abolitionists were doing the exact same thing. This is when I said when Ken Burns said, "Hey, look, it's pretty bad right now." I agree. Well, how are we going to solve this problem? Well, you decentralize. Why should anyone? Tony Norman. I don't want to be in a union with Tony Norman. Tony Norman can go and have his own little non-evil progressive utopia, which of course would be evil in a lot of things that it does. <laughs> if we want to use the word like they do. He can go have his little progressive utopia and he can have all his little socialists running around doing what they want to do. He can have Bernie, President Bernie Sanders and Vice President Elizabeth Warren or vice versa. He can have anything he wants there. And we could have what we want, right? I mean, this is what this is where decentralization would rid us of this horrible marriage in America. Never Trump conservatives are shy. They tend to be circumspect in the old style. They avoid the word evil entirely. By contrast, I know one hardcore conservative who shouts from the rooftops, all Democrats are evil. And the Democrat Party has long been a criminal enterprise. Politics, essentially a media performance in the 21st century, has taken over the work of organizing our moral lives, distorting them, trivializing them, and making them hysterical. The reckless use of absolute language with old religious toxins causes political disagreements between fellow citizens to become invested with ultimate meaning. Idiots start talking about the end of days. Now, I agree. We've elevated uh, politics to religion. I've talked about this. This is the new political Puritans. These is, this is the left. Now, he's saying, well, the right, the never-Trumps, are, are they're, they're good. They avoid them. I mean, these people are. They're, they're the ones that are good. They're, they're avoiding the word evil. Uh, and it's just these hysterical Trumpers. So we've got these two hysterical factions, and it's the middle that's going to keep us all together. Maybe. Probably not. Probably not at all. Now, he concludes by saying, uh, if you're serious about evil, talk about consequences. You can't call a person evil unless, as with Hitler or Stalin or Mao or Pol Pot, the evidence is there, the body count. Evil once belonged to the realm of reality. By the 21st century, it's lost, all its, it's, lost its appetite for objective proof. Feelings are enough. If you feel that someone or something is evil, why then it is so? What you feel, the mirage of your emotions, acquires the status of reality. You must, after all, speak your truth. The Salem witch trials proceeded on the same premise. Now, ending with the Puritans is interesting because that's essentially what we've got, but this is a motivism. I mean, there's so much in this particular piece that it's, it's hard when you only have a few, couple, a few hundred words here. There's so much in this piece. He's talking about a motivism, which is uh, Alastair McIntyre's After Virtue. McIntyre. So he's talking about that. We live in an emotivist society. We're emoting. You have to speak your truth. Of course, that's a phrase that's often used now. But the Salem witch trial, this is the Puritans. This is where Puritan America, this is where the left comes from, right? And even that zeal on the right sometimes, you got that too. But this is, this is the problem. The Puritans have caused all kinds of issues in America. They are highly problematic. So, I like this piece. I think that this term evil is something that is a real problem of the 21st century in terms of our rhetoric and not knowing what it means and not having any anchors. Same thing with communism and all these things. We don't, fascism, we don't know what these things mean. Americans don't know what they mean because Americans have lost any desire for real education anymore.
But anyways, I want to wrap up the week with this piece. Hope you enjoyed this week at the Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next week. See you then.